0: This is the Pathways to Greatness Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. What if you were able to collapse time on learning all the valuable success life skills that you've learned over the past 10, 20, 30 years? Well, at Highlight Coaching and Consulting, That's exactly what we do. We focus on coaching teens and young adults the valuable success life skills that we've all had to figure out over decades of our life. Our mission statement and highlight is, it's our mission to equip youth with an undeniable sense of clarity and direction that inspires a lifetime of confidence, resilience, and continuous improvement. We offer in-person and virtual options to our one-on-one private coaching as well as group coaching. And after working with a coach from Highlight, our clients have a better understanding of their mission, their vision, their values for their life, and a higher proficiency in the skills of time, task, and distraction management, just to name a few. So the other thing that's great about Highlight is we have multiple coaches that you and your young person can choose from because a connection is so important and building trust is where it all begins. So if you're looking to help your team and your young adult get further in life a lot faster, reach out to Highlight Coaching and Consulting today. The information is in the show notes below this episode, I have the privilege of speaking with Jess Cushenberry. Um, She's the founder of Visionary Wellness. And we really dove into some very, very powerful topics that just hold people back from achieving more. A lot of it comes down to your subconscious. It comes to self-sabotage. And one of the things that she talks about is that most people gaslight themselves and how many times do we constantly find the the small, little, insignificant, negative things, but we make it a big deal. We point it out. We talk bad about ourselves. So she talks about some real tactical things of how you can free yourself from that and how that can be holding you back from greatness. So without further ado, Jess Cushenberry. So what did you think of the Georgia game?
1: I was super proud of Kirby and the boys for showing college football that the bowls still should be played and actually have the kids show up. And I super, super, super appreciate his comments at the end of the game, well, in the press conference, that he called college football out and said, yeah, you guys have to figure out what this means. Do we want bowls? Do we want kids to play? What are we doing?
0: Yeah. And to me, it spoke, I I gained a lot of respect for him going into it because of the way he handled after the loss to Alabama, how well he handled that. And it's like, here we go. Let's just, this next game, let's go. And no, no crying, no nothing, and so it showed a lot of his leadership and maturity. And then, like you said, is then it filtered into the all the kids playing. I don't think they had anybody opt out.
1: The only one that opted out was Bowers, but he really was hurt. He really was hurt even in the Alabama game, so that was injury related, right. not draft related and portal related and all the other, you know, I'll call them things that. <laughs> these kids seem to lean on. And I think, you know, given that you coach all those up and coming athletes, I think we are in a participation trophy era. And I think it's great to be able to point to, you know what, these guys have heart. These guys have the passion. Go into everything like these guys did.
0: And their why was bigger than the game. They wanted to have those seniors have 50 wins at the end of their run. And to me, that was a that was the why. That's why they didn't want to opt out. That's why he made that bigger than the game itself.
1: Well, and so much now, especially with the portal changing everything about college athletics, football specifically, but a lot of the game now is, you know, who's out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you don't see the kind of team bond that that showed.
0: Yeah. And it's like he learned a ton through his time with Saban mm-hmm. and then taking a lot of that and moving on to where it's almost like I'm, I i don't think I hate to say it, but I mean, I'm a Saban fan, but I'm not an Alabama fan. But it's almost like the student has become, I don't know, better than the teacher the or master. Has elevated himself. At the same level. If not maybe a touch higher.
1: Well and he has a different. Aspect in my opinion. And Saban has his way. Saban is like. The tough dad that no one's ever sure. If he loves you or not. (laughs) But he's tough. And you kind of know he loves you. Because he's tough. But Kirby has the hug. And the I love you. That goes with the toughness. I feel like. If that makes sense. Like comparing it to parenting. It does. And You know, you see him just jumping around the locker room, having fun with his kids after they win and just really celebrating. And being not just a leader that shots from the mountaintop, but he's there climbing the mountain with his boys and then they celebrate at the top of the mountain.
0: For sure. Well, everybody just tune in. I don't know if you realize that you tuned into a college football podcast, <laughs> but-
1: Hey, I might have a new future here, okay? There you go.
0: <laughs> no, it's great, but it's all relevant. And um, Jess, it's it's great to get to see you. We've spoken on the phone, but I haven't got to, other than your post, I haven't got to see you. And we were connected by the the wonderful and the great Julie Traxler, who is the queen of connecting.
1: I call her my Julie Dex, and she knows that and everybody else knows that because- if I need something, hey, Julie, who do you know that does X? And she'll spit out two or three names. Boom. Got it. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah, she's awesome. Well, everybody, this is Jess Cushionberry. and she is the founder of Visionary Wellness. And I'm really excited to bring her in today to, to pick her brain on several things that's beyond the wellness space. But before we get into that, I know you've listened to, I think, a couple episodes. I always play Would You Rather. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Would you rather freeze time or go back in time?
1: I think freeze time. Okay. I have spent a lot of time going back in time through a lot of personal growth. I've been through a shit storm myself, which actually helps my coaching because I have a different perspective than some health and wellness coaches as far as mindset and what stops us and what gets in our way. So I've spent a buttload of time already going back in time. So I'm ready to freeze time and just love where I'm at.
0: Yeah. And well, like you said at the beginning of the recording that you're in your flow. 2024, here we are, what, five days in? And it's already on fire. I love it. Fired up. No, that's awesome. Okay. So the next one, would you rather live without music or TV?
1: Uh, TV for sure. I mean, I am in my car going to clients all day long and I'm that girl just singing her life away in the car that probably everybody else stops at red lights going. What's wrong with her?
0: <laughs> okay. So what's one of the, your favorite that you would say um, that you listen to most frequently?
1: You know, I really like Alter Bridge and Disturbed,
0: okay. but I need to get
1: fired up. Um, yeah. So I know you wouldn't necessarily think so, but they actually have a lot of fiery songs to really get you rolling.
0: So my son's 15. We talked a little bit about it. So he soon will be driving. And when we work out, we listen to Metallica or Van Halen or something to that effect. So we were driving and I just had, I plugged my phone in and Metallica came on and I could just tell he was driving. I was like, now here's the deal. I don't normally listen to this kind of music when we're driving. I was like, why do you think I don't listen to this music? Because you're
1: going to speed.
0: <laughs> so I'm like, pick your songs. Maybe go with Kenny G or Yanni when you're driving when you first start now. Let's go with that.
1: That's um, fantastic. We can have a little Adele when we drive. But when you get to the gym, then you can hit the Metallica. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Well, if you had to watch TV, what kind of stuff do you like to watch?
1: Okay. I love Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso was great. Of
0: course. Of course. Yeah.
1: And I am the person who is literally five years late to any given program. Like, seriously, people have to say it for five years before I get on the train. <laughs> but that was seriously one of the best. It had such great messages, but comedy and just the delivery was on point with that. Yeah, I thought it was, that was
0: casted absolutely perfect.
1: Yes. That
0: yeah, was wonderful. Okay. So the next one. Would you rather lose your sense of smell
1: or taste? Probably smell, because some of the smells in the world aren't that good. <laughs> well, okay. And I'm a foodie, and I, I love to cook. To me, cooking is literally a love language. I guess that technically falls under acts of service, but to me, cooking's a love language, and I, I love to do that. So I feel like I got to keep my taste.
0: Okay. What do you like to cook? What are some things you like to cook?
1: Oh, anything and everything. I cook a handful of my grandmother's recipes that are in no way, shape, or form at all healthy, but we can still appreciate them. So I do teach that in my programs that you got to be able to appreciate some foods, you know, especially like grandma's recipes. And But overall, I love to create recipes. Okay. Seafood is probably my favorite if I had to pick. I just love seafood.
0: Okay. So if it's Thanksgiving, what are the have-to dishes that you have at Thanksgiving?
1: Okay. So my son, that is his favorite holiday for one reason, my turkey and gravy.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. He puts like a bowl of gravy with some turkey in it. That's like how he rolls on Thanksgiving. Um, But I would say cornbread dressing. I am from the North had never even heard of dressing, didn't know why people put ranch dressing on their turkey um, (laughs) until I got to the South and I figured out what dressing really is. So I'm a fan now. So cornbread dressing, my green bean casserole. I do everything from scratch, even make the mushroom soup before it goes into the green bean casserole. Literally everything is from scratch. That's legit. That's awesome. I'm a food Nazi, man. I mean, I'm yeah. such a nerd when it comes from the ground up. It's it's homemade. I put my love into everything.
0: Well, and what's wonderful about that is, is knowing that you're a wellness coach is the fact that you know what's in it when you make it from, like you said, the nuts and bolts from the bottom up, you know everything that's in that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And people would actually be surprised that I eat some of that. Like my grandmother's, we call it apple pizza, which is a long story, but it's basically an apple crumble. But that is in no way, shape, or form healthy. But I also teach that people do need to have the balance, and it's perfectly okay to have those holiday foods. But the holidays don't go from you know November 25th to January 2nd. There's some time in there that you don't need to eat all the things. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah, turns out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> where were you on november 25th no, no that's hilarious okay so the last one on to the food topic would you rather have pizza or tacos
1: oh i heard you asked julie this one it was a long answer um i would actually prefer pizza okay i think i i don't hate tacos i don't hate on them at all but i think if i had the two things a full buffet of both i'm probably going to the pizza side
0: what are you what are your favorite toppings?
1: All the meats. Okay. Yeah. I eat a lot of meat. I wouldn't say I'm carnivore, but I do prefer a lot of meat. And everybody's different, but I do love all the meats.
0: Okay. Is there any okay. topping that you must stay away from? Ooh. That you don't like?
1: Green peppers. That's okay. Weird. It's a random thing, but I do not like green peppers. <laughs> Well, and that's what,
0: it's one of those things that everybody needs to embrace that there's something that everybody doesn't like. Foodies cannot like certain things. Like I'm a foodie and I made a post not long ago and somebody made fun of me. It was actually one of my son's friends because I made a post about controversy that you watch all these social media people and they say, if you really want to make waves is have a dividing statement that divides your followers, so to speak. And so mine was, I hate celery and you won't change my mind. (laughs) And it was, I had the most response when I asked, when I said that and everybody's responded back and forth. He's like, how do you hate celery? I'm like, cause it's gross. I hate it.
1: It is. It's stringy, disgusting water with strings in it. What is the point? (laughs) I'm with you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, I'm totally with you. Like, and everybody's like, well, you can put peanut butter on it. We can put peanut butter on a spoon. Like, I don't get the <laughs> celery idea.
0: And I'm like, well, what about ants on a log? I'm like, I'll eat raisins and peanut butter off a spoon. I don't need Correct. the celery.
1: Correct. I am a hundred percent in you on this one, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yes, perfect. I knew this was gonna kick off my ear. Well,
1: this is um, why we get along.
0: Exactly. We both hate <laughs> celery. Uh, so Jess, thank you for coming on and thank you for going through that. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, when we talked a little bit on the phone before this is the, the idea of Pathways to Greatness came because one, people like Julie encouraged me to, that I needed to do something. And so I wanted to create a platform that wasn't self-serving, but created an opportunity for me to talk to people like you, to share everybody has a different definition of greatness and every path is not linear to get to greatness, whatever that may be, and that people just need to be reminded that there's twists and turns and ups and downs along that path to get them there. It's all about endurance. It's all about staying steadfast, moving towards that goal. And the ultimate part of I just don't want people to quit. I want to have conversations that, Inspire, motivate, and teach tactical things for people to do to just press on when things get hard. And that's where I knew that we were going to have a great conversation. So, uh, for the audience, share what your definition of greatness is.
1: Uh, 100% is impact for me. Again, like you said in your whole entire podcast, is we all have different views. But I've known for a long time that my purpose on this planet is to bring health to people. And by bringing health to people, you bring them life. They can participate in the rest of their life functions, activities, grandkids, kids, if they have their health with them. So impact 100% is my, my definition, but I'll also add this, especially for your audience who listens. I don't think any, of the people that you consider great, that you look up to, that you follow, have gotten to that point without being on the struggle bus first. Mm-hmm. I feel like that literally forges the, the push for bigger, better, stronger, wiser, all of whatever your zone might be. Some people are you know, academic geniuses and some people go play the NFL, whatever that zone of greatness is, nobody got there on the easy road.
0: Yes. And I, I really like the fact that your, your word, your definition is impact because everybody can have impact. So when you're working with people, how do you help them see that even the little things that they do can have massive impact to the goals and their mission to get them to whatever they're working towards?
1: A lot of it is on the the front end, helping them focus not on the big, huge mountain, not Mount Everest, but more so, okay, you got to take this one step and you need to schedule your workouts. You need to schedule, you know, you get your big Stanley cup, which is my (laughs) controversial post of the other day. But just get your big cup and make sure you get that. Instead of focusing on, I'm going to lose 50 pounds by April, focus on the steps that you got to get there and then it's not overwhelming and you will get where you're going. So I think instilling just the grassroots protocol side of things versus the big lofty of lost you know 50 pounds by April sort of mindset
0: sure and i i'm i'm guessing that a lot of people that you speak to probably nod and maybe if they're like my 13-year-old daughter say i know a lot when you're you're telling them those things how do you help cuz i know this will help me but it i know it'll help somebody in the audience to connect what they know into taking action of what they know because we all, there's so much information out over the last 25 years about health and what you should and shouldn't eat, but we keep getting heavier and unhealthier as a society. What, what's, what's the disconnect and how can you help people connect the two?
1: Well, I feel like a lot of people, and this is actually something I actually really get deep dive into in the second week of my program is self-sabotage. Because a lot of people along the way have been through the ringer and their brain is scared to push forward. They failed before. I call it lessons. I don't actually call it failure, but the word failure resonates and people understand what I'm saying. You've given up on yourself in the past. You didn't get the results like as quickly as before. And actually, one of the things that I did create is this journal to wellness. And in there is where people can check off the different habits, the hydration, the meditation, prayer, exercise, and it doesn't have to be in here. You can just get a notebook Mm -hmm. and have a couple categories and grade yourself on whether you stuck to it or not. And if it's, even if it's an F, you've still identified and you're keeping track. And typically human behavior is we don't like to fail, but if we kind of have to grade ourselves and we know we have to grade ourselves on it, it kind of forces us to go, oh, if I do that, I'm gonna have to give myself a D. I might not wanna do that. And so just the accountability of yourself, it can be a spiral bound notebook. It can be something like this or somebody else's journal on the market, just something daily to keep track of. And it can just be most days. It doesn't even have to be every single day, but just know that it's there, put it by your bedside table. So it reminds you in the morning and it reminds you at night tomorrow, I'm going to hit it strong and just kind of set that intention
0: for you. Everybody heard that is that it's about accountability to yourself. It's not to you. It's not to me. It's not to people within their family. It's building the self-confidence that I heard it on Ed Milet show that you can keep promises that you make to yourself. And I know for me, if I don't measure it, I'm not as effective. If I don't have my fitness pal, a journal, something that I'm tracking, food, exercise, money, goals, all of those things, I can get it done, but I'm not nearly as effective.
1: Oh, I think that's it for a lot of people. And again, it doesn't even have to be a great score. Just identifying where you are is great, you know, and especially with all of us now with our phones, if we were to plop you in the wilderness, you'd have no idea where you are without your cell phone to tell you, turn left at the next exit. You know, (laughs) you got to know where you are.
0: Yeah. Or know somebody's phone number.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, for real. like.
0: I don't know any, I know my wife's phone number because the same one that she had when we, you couldn't really, you could save phones in a cell phone, but there were flip phones and you knew you were going to get another one someday. Um, But yeah, it's, it's amazing. But it goes back to also the repetition that you talked about. And since we talked about phone numbers, like I think about, I know the phone number of work because my mom still has it, but of, that I grew up with. Because I used it over and over and over and over. And so it sticks with me forever. So talk to people about small little tactical skills and things that they can do in the world of wellness. And I, I like to focus there, one, because you're an expert there. And two, everybody can relate. So what are some tactical things that they may have learned at one point, but aren't following still?
1: Okay, here's a big one for me is how we consume our food. Let's not get into the nitty gritty of carbs and calories and macros and counting all of that. How often do you sit down in front of your meal and be thankful that you a have a meal and savor it? Probably not that often anymore. I was raised, my daughter ended up my back up. My mother gave my daughter her Camry when she was able to drive. And we were joking around this morning, actually, that my mother probably did not have one single drink or one single crumb of food in her in that car before my daughter got it. It was just not something we were raised to do, to eat and drink and be on the go 100%. And that's when you consume all your food. And we were taught you sit down, have a meal, even if it was Frosted Flakes. It was not that that's good, but I'm saying, you know, you still sat down for a second, you ate, and then you moved on and did your thing. I think so many of us are in the nonstop beta brain, go, go, go. We don't sit down and appreciate the fact that somebody out there can't even afford the meal we're about to eat. There's people all over the world that don't even have that. And just the appreciation factor. Um, The other thing that goes with that is when we eat in a stressed out state, we increase cortisol. Well, cortisol makes your body store fat. And so eating in a stressed out manner, again, regardless of calories and macros and all of that nuance, just sitting there eating consciously and not just unconsciously shoving food in will make a difference for people. And on that note, I'm going to add, if you don't mind, this is another thing I come across. There is no bad food. I know there's like, Somebody out there is going to eat me alive for this because carbs and calories and proteins and all of this. But if you think of your food as bad and you're on a cheat meal, that literally tells your brain. Because when I say cheat, what do you think?
0: I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing.
1: Right. Cheating is not okay in our society, in (laughs) any society. Cheating is wrong. So you're sitting there going, I'm having my cheat meal. Well, you're telling your brain you're doing something wrong. And that is going to stress you out and create cortisol. Mm. So by thinking about that as a cheat meal, I call it a free pass in my program. And I have to change people's mentality. Like, no, this is a free pass, not a cheat meal. And I correct them a lot on that because if you can sit in and enjoy it, you're not going to get that cortisol spike. So a lot of that, what, We're going back to though, is just enjoy what you're doing.
0: I hope everybody lets that sink in because when you were talking and you talked about how you consume your meal, being thankful for it and savoring it, the first thing that came to my mind was how many people do that about their family, their friends of sitting there and be thankful for your friends and savor the friendship. Enjoy the friendship because it's going to be sweeter. It's going to it's gonna be better than if you just take a lot of those things for granted. So I, I really like what you said. The other thing that I really liked, and you talked about eating in a stressed out state, is we're, we just have to calm down. And that's in every aspect of life. And the other thing that you shared that I would really like you to dive more into is the powers of the words we say. So you talked about cheat meal versus free pass. So talk about how, what we say and the words, word choice that we make can impact our lives and our diet.
1: Oh, so deep. I mean, there's a whole field that people study called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. There's, you know, you can very much deep dive. Think of your best salesman on the planet. You don't even know you're being sold to. And you're like, yes, take my money here. You know, and it's because of the way they wordsmith what they're trying to teach you versus that, you know, guy who's the used car salesman who like, you turn off in an instant listening to. You're like, oh, God, he's selling me something. I can't. Leave me alone. But they're both trying to sell you the same thing. And that's how impactful words can be. And this is a message I actually spoke on stage about back in August. I guarantee most of your listeners gaslight themselves on a daily basis. And I love that you brought this up because I come across people all the time and I was there. Okay. I was not good enough, not lovable enough. I gaslighted myself for a lot of my life. So I can say this from a, a comfortable seated recliner right now that I've been there, done that. But how often do you walk by a mirror and go, oh God, but <laughs> like, why's my belly hanging out? Like, do I have gray hairs, you know? And you're like looking and Ooh, there's a zit, you know, whatever the case may be, as you find that little one thing that might not be ideal but you have this magical being that does more computing in a single second than any computer we can put together. Your heart beats, your liver works. It's constantly working, but we never identify that. We look at the zit. And I think gaslighting ourselves, I can assure you nobody's gotten to a positive result Degrading themselves. But for some reason, we don't stop doing it. And the power of words are so important. One of the things that I strongly encourage everybody to do, this is this is a non-negotiable in my program, is at the beginning of our six weeks, I have them write down a story of where they are six weeks from now. And this, I encourage all of your listeners to do, all of your athletes to do, this is a great tool. Write your story as you are sitting in this chair six weeks from now, looking back, the mission's been completed. How do you look? How do you feel? Who are you playing with? Are you playing with your kids out in the yard and you hadn't been able to have the energy to do that in years? Are you pulling out the jeans from your closet that you would one day fit into? And you have to write that from the first person, but as if the mission's completed. Because the stories that we play in our head, the gaslighting, that's what goes through our head 80% of our time. And by having that story anchored in, I have them read it morning and night. So when their brain is in the alpha state, the suggestible state, they read it first thing in the morning and right before they fall asleep. And that helps rewire that verbiage that goes on in their brain and anchoring in that positive. And it helps push out some of that self-deprecating mess that most people end up swirling into.
0: Yeah, it's so weird that we naturally do that everybody does. There's very few that go immediately to the positive. And what Jess shared is powerful. And I want everybody to know and to listen. It works. I did. It was a little over five years ago. I wrote a personal mission statement and I had it. It's a little sliver of piece of paper and I had it everywhere. And I read it to myself every single day. Like you said, morning, it was on my mirror it was in my car it was over the computer everywhere well now it's just who i am like i wanted to change who i was and i wanted to show up who i need and how i needed to and it completely transformed me so if anybody thinks that it doesn't work it does work the one thing and you talked about this earlier it's consistently reading it and i would encourage you like jess said in six weeks is carry that over and write another one. Like if you if you end up living that story the way you want to live it in six weeks, great, congratulations. Write another one, and right. keep, keep writing it and keep moving that carrot forward because you will become the person you want to become.
1: Absolutely, and you can make it. You know, right now this time of year is the whole BHAG thing—big, hairy, audacious goals. Go ahead and write that you know, and really challenge yourself. Another thing that I find helpful, one of my coaches said two things um, and I credit Jess Glazer on this is messy action. Mm. If you wait for it to be perfect, it will never be perfect. Do the thing. If you can't sprint 100 meters, walk 100 meters. If you can't give up all the donuts don't give up all the donuts give up all the donuts 5 days a week you know just do something in that direction and then rolling with that story you're going to find it anchors in more and more and more like you had this the notes everywhere you turned like you couldn't avoid yourself <laughs>
0: improving well because well, i knew i needed it i knew that The negative story I was telling myself, and I still do, but on different topics, but on this one particular big life one, I had to change it. I even went as far as um, I had a rubber band on my wrist that I'm a ruminator by nature. And so I was trying to figure out every little trick. And one of the things that I learned is when you get into that negative loop, you pop that rubber band on your wrist and it's that physical reaction And it's creating positive anchors in your life to get out of that negative loop.
1: Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, and I know this, this kind of goes to what you're saying, but if somebody has a very hard time with certain habits, one of the things that is helpful is to do something physical to anchor in the thought. So For me, because it's easy to do, this is what, when I'm reading a story to my my story or whatever it is I'm trying to anchor in, if you have a physical thing, it can be whatever it is that, you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes just have a thing that every single time you read that story or that sticky note you do, when you find yourself in a zone that you don't want to be in. You can kind of reverse engineer the thought by doing the physical again, which then has the effect of changing the thought that you've already connected the pathway with.
0: Yes. And it also, it's making you self-aware that you're having it. And then you sit there and you go, wait a minute, I'm not tapping or I'm not doing certain things as much as I used to. And then there's that proud moment. It's the, the David Goggins, the cookie jar of having that moment that you can go back in and say, you know what, congratulations. You know, you, you made it another day. What was something that you did that you overcame that you want to be proud of? And it's having, having those moments, like you said, is having that physical anchor just to bring awareness to yourself and maybe even to others.
1: And while we're on that and you just hit something I think should be, Embraced, we are, along with gaslighting ourselves, we feel so wrong in celebrating ourselves and Mm -hmm. our victories. Mm -hmm. And we're all meant to be victorious. Just because I'm victorious doesn't mean you're not. And granted, sport, there is like winner and loser, but when we're coming across weight loss and performance and And all of that, we can all win and celebrate ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. Yeah. Why do you think we don't, and it goes back
0: to that self-sabotage. Why do you think so many people struggle with celebrating something and like they, they minimize the success that they've just had. If it's, you know, they've lost 50 pounds, they immediately go to, well, I still wouldn't need to lose 15 more. You lost 50 pounds or 10 pounds or whatever
1: it is. I get that all the time. You know, I hear that. And I am from the North. Um, So the Northeast. And so I'm also reading a book, um, Killing the Witches, which is very interesting because I'm a direct descendant of one of the most famous ones from Salem, Uh, Rebecca Nurse. A lot of people have heard of her. I'm a direct descendant. And it's interesting. So from the Northeast, I can say, I don't know as much regionally past that as far as upbringing goes, but I truly feel like as humans, we had to overcome a lot. And just as soon as we overcame a cold spell, then it snow us in and somebody's house would burn because they had a fire in the house and... I feel like for so long we were in survival mode. Being negative almost was an adaptation to the next thing that might happen. So I really, I, I don't have like a solid scientific answer, but that is my guess is that it's just an adaptive measure to, you know, we can't celebrate the harvest too much because we're about to get the cold weather you know, that kind of thing.
0: Sure. And and then people miss celebrating. And next thing you know, you just live in this perpetual, okay, what's going to happen next?
1: What she's going to drop next
0: right. feeling. Yeah. One of the things that you had shared on a, a, a post that you talk about that you help people with is losing p- willpower to stay on the path and not giving up on yourself. I read that and I was like, okay, that 100% aligns to the mission and the vision of Pathways to Greatness. So walk people through what you mean by that and how you help people.
1: So I'll go into my background just a little bit. And actually, it'll be a post later today. It's funny you you bring this up. But I am grateful for the shit that I have had to go through in my life. Um, I have, if you look on the domestic abuse pamphlet, I can check off literally every single check mark, financial, emotional, sexual, physical. I have had every single piece of abuse possible done to another human. I have experienced that. I am not a victim. It was an experience I went through. But because of those experiences, it's given me a different perspective to understand what I quote as willpower because I don't believe in willpower. I believe what people associate with willpower is really just the brain being scared to move forward. So one of the things that specifically I, you know, can speak on is you know fitness and nutrition is literally what my degree is in. I know my shit when it comes to physiology and exercise and fitness and all of those things. I was planning to lean down for a fitness competition, like fitness bodybuilding type competition, because I have the muscular to compete with anybody. But on a natural level, not a jacked (laughs) up level, but let me just clarify that out there. I'm gonna put that out there too. Um, But I couldn't stick to my own plan. Like Mm. I had a plan and I couldn't Mm. stick to it. And I'm going, what in the hell is going on with me here? And when I was in the abusive situation, I was also going to do a competition Mm. and I leaned down. I was literally backstage and I was being berated about how selfish on the phone about how selfish I was to take his Saturday away from him. So I could do this thing. And also as I was leaning down, men will be men. Men say lots of things when you walk by. (laughs) Men will be men. It is what it is. So when we would be on a beach, he would nearly get in fights with guys who would look at me. We'd walk through restaurants and he'd be ready to fight because somebody was looking at me. So my brain said, leaning down for competition is a dangerous thing. We don't like that. Hmm. That made the abuse ramp up that much more. And it wasn't until later that I went, well, that's why I can't lean for competition. My subconscious was so scared and my conscious, and I'm going to repeat this over and over and over again. The problem is people get so frustrated with themselves because their logic can't figure out Why they keep giving up on themselves. It is the subconscious that has, that rules the roost. And my subconscious was so scared of moving forward, even though I was not in that situation anymore. I was free. I can do whatever I want. I have nobody. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I got nobody to support me nor take me down. Like either one. Why can I Mm -hmm. not do this? This is literally my profession which is why it's so impactful for people to hear like, it's not me just sitting on a mountaintop shouting down to you sort of like what we talked about with Kirby. Like I'm walking up the mountain with you guys. I have been there myself. And I realized I just was too scared. My subconscious, again, who runs the show. It is not our, con- the 10% of your brain that's conscious is not the one running the show. It's that subconscious. And that experience I am grateful for because it's allowed me to connect with people on a different level than most health professionals can connect with people. Like they can prescribe this many calories and this many grams of protein and they can prescribe all of that. But they don't have the perspective I have of the subconscious mindset that it requires to get through something. And what I found is everybody's gung-ho in the beginning. Like, oh, I'm going to do this, especially this time of year. It's a fantastic time for this episode to drop. But everybody's gung-ho between January 1 and January 20th They're all fired up. But then around three weeks in that little voice starts to creep in. Like, you know what happened last time we did this and you failed and somebody made fun of you for failing. We're not doing that again. So I'm just going to give up. And then no one can make fun of me for failing or whatever the case may be like mine. I didn't feel safe. I find a lot of people that go through my program, the abuse factor resonates. And I've, I've worked with a lot of ladies specifically who have been through sexual trauma have a huge subconscious resistance to losing weight Hmm. because they are so afraid of being attractive even though you and i both know sexual abuse has nothing to do with your looks zero but your subconscious doesn't put two and two together and is so afraid that that abuse is going to get turned on again.
0: Jess, thank you for sharing that, and it's so powerful, not not just for people thinking about their their fitness and their wellness journey, but every goal, every action, everything that they're looking to accomplish is to dig deep, and that's why it's important. And what's really cool is to see how you've taken the power away from all those things that happened to you and so many of us allow the other thing to have the power and it's like when you were saying it you could see it on your face there was no shake quiver it was i i beat all of this stuff and it doesn't have any control over me and everybody has the same same capability of being able to do that but it's scary it's like you said it's scary it's just holding you back and that's what i hope people see is that you can
1: Free yourself of those. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is not an easy process to not just put it back in Pandora's box, because I promise you Pandora's box is going to open. You just don't realize when it's opening up on you. But to sit there and open that box on purpose and face the demons that come out It is not sugarcoating how the process goes. There have been a lot of tears, a lot of shaking, a lot of quivering. Um, If you look back, it's way back. But even in June 23 of 23, so six months ago or so, give or take, I had a funeral for myself. Hmm. Previous to June 23, 23... I was Jesse and one of 23 was me shedding that so that I can really move into the light that I'm supposed to shine. And I sat on a beach amongst some mastermind friends and I sat on a beach and let me tell you about the, the sobbing, the (laughs) kind of like sobbing self you know you see me strong put together all of that well the reason the tears and the quivering and all that isn't right now is because I did spend that time and I shed that version of myself and which is now why I go by Jess and of course I still call myself Jesse on occasion I still slip I mean I spent 46 years being Jesse, so you know (laughs) sometimes I forget, but I literally shed that identity so that I could move forward. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of part of it's also the fear of the unknown. If you've been X, Y, or Z for so long, you don't even know what life is like to not be that way. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle with their goals as well, because they don't know how to be. And it's unknown walking into, you know, a dark room with no lights where you've never been, you're going to trip on a coffee table. You know, (laughs) there's going to be trip ups, but we're so scared of those trip ups that we can't take a step.
0: Right. And that's where you coach, like the way you coach you can go in that dark room you take little itty bitty steps and keep your hand out in front of you and you minimize some of the danger if you have someone that helps you go through that and when you were talking the whole thing i was thinking about when people go into that is to make sure you've surrounded yourself with really good people because when it gets rough and tough you've got to be able to know how to move forward and have a good support system to keep you standing up and moving in the direction you need to go.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And that is one of the things that in all of this processing, and even as I teach this in week two of my program, I still have something hit me upside the head. And I'm like, oh, even still to this day and last session that I was teaching, because i rolling six weeks, six, eight weeks, run the program. And I realized that ever since I was a little kid, because of some situations, I always felt safe alone. In a basement, playing by myself was the safest place to be. And I realized how much I isolated myself my entire life which also makes abuse easier because I isolate and don't tell anybody and don't reach out for help because isolation was safe for me. Now that, like you said, having people around me that I've trusted to tell and be super vulnerable to has unleashed a new level of me and how I can therefore impact others. But it wasn't until I realized I was safe with people, with the right people, the right coaches, the right team, the right guidance to help and be there. That's the key for everybody, be it an athlete, be it a mom, dad. We need that system in place of support.
0: Justice yes, is fantastic. And it's all just critical for. Everybody to to think about, and I would say, go back, get a piece of paper, write down the tactics that you shared, because there's so much that the big things that jumped out to me that I want to remind people of that you discussed was around making sure that you consciously are programming your subconscious with good things and good thoughts, create the story of who you want to be and how you're going to get there and then celebrate it when you get there and then constantly keep establishing that vision because you can do more, you can define what your version of greatness is, and it's better than what you think it is. I know for me, it's like, I sell myself short so many times when I know that whenever I hit greatness, which I never will hit it, it's a constantly moving finish line, but I can never even imagine coming close to what it would be and what it would feel like, but I know I'm going to celebrate
1: it. Yes. And I'll come down to Florida and celebrate with (laughs) you.
0: Yes. That sounds great. Um, well, I want to be respectful of your time. This, the, the time has just flown by. So, um, before we let you tell everybody where they can find you, what would be some final remarks that you'd like to leave the
1: audience? Let's see, a big one, which, you know, we just talked about, it will be scary. It will be hard. It will hurt. But with the right people around you, you don't even how know how amazing it can be. And I can tell you this 2024, after I have shed that layer of myself, has literally just blown up for me
0: that's awesome so what i take that as we're holding ourselves back
1: boom mic drop right there
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly well jess how can people find and follow and and contact you
1: so on uh facebook is jess cushionberry c-u-s-h-e-n-b-e-r-r-y and then instagram is your vitality profit as is tiktok not great on tiktok i'm getting there (laughs)
0: Well, there's so many to try to keep up with. <laughs> no,
1: and then wonderful. Um, they can reach out to me on DMs on either one of those.
0: Okay. one and everybody, I'll have all the information down in the show notes. Jess, hang on one second. Everybody, it's Jess Cushionberry.
1: Yes.